Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. here on this Monday edition of the program. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Uh, Busy weekend, not a good weekend for IU football. The Hoosiers lose on the road to a struggling Nebraska team. Indiana, 14 points at halftime, shut out in the second half as, as far as scoring touchdowns. Had a couple field goals to finish the game. But really a tough loss, a tough way to lose for Indiana. Lots of concerns moving forward with this Indiana team and the schedule they have the rest of the way. Bowl eligibility would have been greatly aided by a win over the weekend. I'm just not sure how that happens for this team, given how they played and the loss at Nebraska, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Big news in football as well. I know we don't talk a lot about Wisconsin in football. They're in the West Division of the Big Ten Conference, but I think the surprising thing coming out of the weekend from the Big Ten uh, had nothing to do with any certain score or result. It's that Paul Christ has been fired at Wisconsin, and we'll talk about that a little bit later with Zach Osterman. But the guy's got a great record uh, at Wisconsin, a, a record of success, some bowl game uh, victories. Um, surprising. I know that the quality of Wisconsin football definitely has has dropped here recently, but uh, just surprised to see two Big Ten coaches ousted uh, really in the middle of the season or actually before the official midway point of college football. We also are in the month of October Hoosier hysteria is days away. We got more information late last week on Hoosier hysteria that I'll share with you here in just a few moments as well. Uh, And a big weekend of high school football. And in fact, this coming weekend, we've got the tournament pairings will come out for the high school football state tournament. So as we enter the final few weeks of the regular season forthcoming, uh, after Sunday, we will know who's going to play who and what the pairings look like for all of our local teams and, of course, teams across the state in the uh, high school state tournament. So just an exciting time. Football is getting good. Mid-season form for college. High school coming down to the stretch right before the tournament. And college hoops and high school hoops just on the back burner a lit, uh, just a bit. Uh, we'll be here before you know it. And uh, so a really, really good sports time and uh, good weather as well. So glad to have you with us today. And uh, let's look at the show lineup 
a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we'll catch up on some headlines here in just a few moments. Also, later in the hour, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will check in. We've got a conversation coming up about IU Nebraska. We'll talk more with him about uh, a big surprise to me. That's Paul Chris being ousted midseason at Wisconsin. And we'll get into some basketball stuff with Zach as well. Later in the show, Chad Gilbert. He's the athletic director at Charlestown High School. Uh, he joins me each week, also an IHSA executive board member. We talk local sports, and we'll go through some of the big results over the weekend. Uh, New Albany came out victorious in the New Albany-Jeff rivalry game, and so we'll catch up on that contest. Other football results as well. We'll talk about basketball season that's just around the corner and more with Chad when he joins us a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 if you want to send in a question or comment. Uh, I know some of you got to feel like I do that IU football is is not going in a good direction this season and would like to hear your thoughts. You can text that in. You can uh, mention uh, the upcoming Hoosier hysteria. Are you excited for that? Uh, maybe you read a high school football game over the weekend. Love to get texts from you, uh, and I'll do my best to get them on the air today if you've got something to sound off. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And you can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Let's get into some headlines for today. First off, IU football. We're going to talk more about this later in the show. And honestly, it's a little disheartening I think with the offensive side of things specifically for this team but the offense sputters once again a slow start for Indiana they did muster two scores in the first half and then really scoreless uh, from the field in the second half two field goals to finish things off as Indiana loses on the road at Nebraska uh, trailed 21-7 at halftime and uh, loses 35-21 in that contest. I just, again, for bowl eligibility, I know that there's hope always this team can find a way in. I think a win at Nebraska greatly helps that cause. Uh, I think it's possible. I, 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 I bet, I would have bet if they were able to, to win on Saturday that this Indiana team was going to maybe find a way in a bowl game. I would not place that bet now. Uh, I think it's a tough way the rest of, of the uh, situation here for this team and uh, just a, a number of things, and we'll talk with Zach about this, that just did not go right. You could pick, I think, your poison when it comes to uh, some issues this team had over the weekend. So uh, Indiana Falls at Nebraska. Health is another concern and maybe health isn't the right word but a number of players out some key players missing in the game on Saturday uh, some of it sounds more serious than others we'll talk about that with Zach a little bit later in the hour as well also uh, from a basketball perspective uh, the rankings out for the 2025 class which are guys that are sophomores getting ready for their upcoming high school basketball season 
It's a pretty good representation as far as uh, Indiana guys. Jalen Harrelson is number 10 in the country. He has an offer from Indiana. Also, Trent Sicily, he's been offered as well. He's number 50 in the country, according to the 247 sports rankings that came out over the weekend. So uh, I think any time you can start off, really, sophomore year is the first national rankings by most legitimate services. Anytime our state can start out with two top 50 players, uh, I think is a really good thing. And uh, with uh, Harrelson and Sicily, I think those guys have a chance to climb even further in the rankings as well. One other note, uh, the number one player in the country uh, has a familiar last name. His name is Cameron Boozer. He's the son of former Duke and, of course, NBA player Carlos Boozer, number one on the list. So uh, there's actually twins, Cameron Boozer and, and Caden Boozer, uh, young guys in their class. But Cameron at the very top of the list uh, as the number one player in the country. Uh, don't know that I've seen any connection between him and IU at this point, but he definitely is a name to pay attention to over the next couple of years of the high school ball and all the AAU stuff as well. Also, Hoosier Hysteria coming up, and the school announced uh, last week a couple co-hosts for the event. IU's brought in some pretty famous people uh, for this year's event, ESPN reporter Courtney Cronin and NFL Network analyst Rhett Lewis will be co-MCs for this year's basketball kickoff event on October 7th coming up on uh, Saturday night. Both Cronin and Lewis, not I don't think really big names at this point in the media world, uh, but up-and-coming stars, both also graduates of the IU program as well. So they'll come back to Bloomington to host the event. Again, uh, Hoosier Hysteria free. Uh, fans will be able to purchase the uh, floating head posters, as they're called, uh, of, of both the men's and the women's team uh, for $12 at the IU store. And uh, just a good, fun event, especially for kids. And keep in mind, it's a huge night for you're going to hear us talk a lot this week about players that are expected to be in Bloomington for unofficial stops where they'll get to see how crazy things are at Assembly Hall for even just a preseason event like Hoosier Hysteria. So a big recruiting weekend coming up for IU as well. Eight former IU basketball players are working to secure a NBA roster spot for the upcoming season. Some have their spot secured, others hoping to uh, capitalize on a training camp opportunity. OG Ananobi, obviously one of the more solid guys, IU alum with the Toronto Raptors, uh, has a two-year uh, average in the NBA, actually six-year, excuse me, with the Raptors, and uh, he averaged a career-high 17 points, just over 17 points a season ago. He started 227 games in his career, which is impressive, and he averaged double figures uh, each of his last three seasons. Of course, won an NBA championship with Toronto back in 2019, but he's at the top of the list as far as former Hoosiers and the pros. Thomas Bryant with the Lakers, Eric Gordon, he's had a solid career with the Rockets. Romeo Lankford, our local legend, can he have a good year with the Spurs and solidify himself for an NBA future? Jawan Morgan, he's with the Clippers right now. Vic Oladipo, Miami Heat. Also Noah Vonley, the Boston Celtics. Cody Zeller, we know that he's with the Jazz now as well. NBA teams have to set their roster here middle of this month on October 17th. So some of those guys, uh, you'd like to see all eight make it. Uh, I'm sure that all eight will. 
but NBA rosters will be set and confirmed on October 17th for the upcoming season. One other thing I wanted to mention, I've had a couple questions about this Hoosier hysteria. Jumping back to that for a second, uh, it takes place, I, th- I said Saturday, it's Friday night in Bloomington at 7 p.m. Don't forget there's a concert as well after all the basketball activities from Platinum platinum selling artist G Erbo uh, after the concert, but students have been encouraged to line up at 12 p.m. Uh, on Friday at the southeast corner of Assembly Hall, and uh, you can watch on Big Ten Network, uh, but it's not, it's the paid streaming part of it, Big Ten Plus, so you've got to have a subscription to that. You can buy a monthly subscription and then cancel it. Uh, you buy the IU package for one month. I think it's $9.95 a month or $79.95 annually. Uh, but that's if you're going to not attend, you can watch Who's Your Hysteria. Uh, stream it from your phone, your device, your computer, your television, if you've got a Big Ten Network Plus membership uh, as well. All right, that's a look at the headlines as far as IU stuff goes. High school football over the weekend, New Albany with a big victory over Jeffersonville uh, in that rivalry contest. A good game as well. Two teams battling it out, and the Bulldogs got the big win, 27-20 over Jeffersonville at a big Hoosier Hills Conference game as well. Other high school football results from around the area. Charlestown, a big winner over Corden, 42-27, as the Pirates now 6-1 on the season. Clarksville got back in the win column after a loss a week ago to Perry Central with a 46-8 win over Greenwood Christian. Floyd Central, they were kind of coming on strong. I thought maybe the Highlanders could run the table the rest of the way. They got clipped in one of the more competitive games, 13-10 the final score. They lost at Bedford North Lawrence on Friday. We'll see if the Highlanders can regroup for next week. And, of course, the big New Albany-Jeff game. I mentioned both of those results. And for Providence, uh, on the road, the Pioneers win. This is a good one for Providence. 43-21 43-21 over Milan uh, to go on the road. Really a two-hour or so drive to Milan. And uh, Providence comes out with a win. The Pioneers now 5-1 and one on the season. Silver Creek this past weekend lost 41-0 to a solid North Harrison team. And I said this last week, one of the really good football games to close out the season. We've got a couple in that final week of the of the season, the regular season, New Albany and Floyd Central's in that week. But I'm telling you, North Harrison and Providence should be a really good game to close out the regular season and a really good test for the Pioneers before they head into sectional action uh, that following week. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join for the very latest on IU football and IU basketball. We'll recap uh, the bad loss to Nebraska by this Indiana team. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for... All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. 
All right, welcome back. This Monday program, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star going to join us. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 if you want to sound off on IU football. Question on football, basketball for Zach, you can send it in to us right now. Zach, IU football with a really tough loss on Saturday. Another slow start for this Indiana team plagues them once again. And a loss at Nebraska, it makes the bowl situation, I think, very difficult for this team. IU football in a tough spot, Zach, coming out of the weekend. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a game that at very least you were tied at the end of the third quarter. Um, you know, there were some ways that maybe Indiana struggled with Nebraska offensive, offensively, but you were still kind of right there, and you just could not kick your offense into gear at all. Um, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I was looking through them last night for our podcast. Indiana had more three and outs yesterday, or not yesterday, but Saturday, than they had drives of at least six plays. I don't think they had a drive that lasted longer than seven plays. Um, I mean, they just, you know, they, they had something like, like four drives out of like 14 that ended, even ended in Nebraska territory, um, you know, and, and obviously they were without Cam Camper, they were without DJ Matthews. Those are your two most reliable weapons in an offense that obviously needs to pass the ball pretty well to succeed. But I think it was, you know, at the same time, a lot of what you saw on Saturday was really reflected you know, as starkly as, as we've seen it so far this season, the idea that Indiana just has not gotten this offense to a place where it knows how to get the best out of enough guys. You know, and, and you can't be you can't be a good offense if you're just going to be reliant on one or two receivers. You, you've got to be able to look at running backs, tight ends, you know, third, fourth option wide receivers, and say, hey, we still we still know how to get you in positions that are advantageous for you, get you in positions that'll create plays for us. And that offense just isn't there right now. And, and you're right, it, it, it complicates the bowl picture. I think Indiana, at minimum, <clears throat> needed to get out of October with five wins. And this, this would have gotten to four. And, and frankly, you know, it was there for the taking, and they just couldn't seize it. And now the margin for error becomes even thinner. Zach, we're almost halfway through the college football season and this Indiana program, I think lots of questions about what the future looks like uh, over the coming weeks. We know that it's all Big Ten opponents the rest of the way. Uh, we know some of the opponents forthcoming, very challenging games for Indiana. Uh, biggest question mark or concern about this team moving into the midway point and very soon the back half of the season. I, I could quickly reel off three, four different things I think that are concerning, but is there one area that trumps everything else at this point from what you've seen? I mean, I, I would go back to that offense, and I would go back in particular just to the idea that, it, that, that all, we have yet to see that offense really perform consistently. We, we, we've yet to see, uh, I mean, even frankly to some extent against Idaho, that offense just just spend most of a game in rhythm, in a comfort zone, you know, guys connected, um, you know, everything just sort of happening instinctively. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, I can use a lot of flowery, flowery words. I think anybody who's watched football knows what I'm talking about. When you see an offense that's in its rhythm and, and is really comfortable with what it's doing, um, you know, it's it, it, we have not seen this offense there 
at all. And there are a variety of reasons for that. The offensive line has struggled. I didn't think it was actually that bad Saturday night. Um, the, the, the run game has not provided a lot of support, obviously. And, and I just go back again to the idea, you know, I think when you say, I, I thought we talked about this on our podcast um, Sunday night, me and Dustin. I think when you say playmakers, people tend to think, you know, uh, electric athletes in space. Like that, that Jalen Lucas run where he made two or three guys miss. And why isn't a guy like that getting more touches? Those are playmakers. That's what you need. That's, that's playmaking ability. What I think of it as is just finding, making sure that guys are getting the ball in the right places at the right times to, you know, impact winning. I think about Stevie Scott. I don't know that people would have called Stevie Scott a playmaker in the same way that you would have thought of Lockfillier, for example, as a playmaker, because Scott was not so, you know, not so quick, not so electric, et cetera. But Indiana's offenses knew how to put Stevie Scott in positions where he was helping them succeed. They knew how to give. You know, when it was third and two, Stevie Scott made the play. He got a first down. When it was first and goal from the six, Stevie Scott made the play. He punched Indiana into the end zone. And Indiana, conversely, understood how to win and how to get Stevie Scott the ball so that he could make the plays they needed him to make to win the game. Yes, sometimes it is about getting the, 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 the crazy good athlete out in space, making guys miss, explosive down the field, whatever. But sometimes it's also just about understanding, you know, this guy can help you a lot in short yardage situations. This guy can help you stay on uh, on schedule on first down or second down. You know, you can run some, some stuff for this player that just makes, you know, second and five turn into third and one as opposed to second and five turning into third and five or worse. Maybe you go backwards. Maybe you lose three yards, whatever. Um, it, 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 we have seen moments undeniably when it is clicked into place for this offense. We saw a couple of them in those last two first-half drives where Indiana scored touchdowns in Nebraska, but they've not been able to do it consistently. And, yes, you know, you have to grade them a little bit on a curve because they didn't have Matthews and they didn't have Camper on Saturday. But this is not a new issue. It had never really felt like everyone was connected enough to everyone else in terms of, understanding what was going to get the best out of every individual to contribute to the collective success offensively. And so, you know, when you say blanket offense, Indiana's not scoring enough points, not getting enough yards, sure. But I think it's, it's, it's more kind of the, the structural aspects of that that Indiana still is not commanding. And, you know, hey, the first-year coordinator, three new coaches on that side of the ball, whole bunch of transfers, I get it. But, but – College football doesn't work that way. That you know, it, it doesn't wait for you to figure it out. You, you've got to do it in real time. Sometimes you've got to build the airplane while it's flying, and Indiana's just not been able to do that so far. Chatting with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, a recap of IU, the loss at Nebraska on Saturday. We knew this team would likely be without D.J. Matthews, who was lost during the Cincinnati game. Cam Camper out due to an illness. All we know there is Coach Allen said it was non-COVID related, so there's hope that he could return soon. And then another injury or health concern is Jalen Williams. He suffered a shoulder injury, I think it was late in the first half, uh, at Nebraska. Is the health of this team a concern, and do we know anything more about Matthews and Camper and some of these guys that have been out or could be out? You know, I mean, I don't know if health more widely is a concern. Obviously, you know, in a in any season, guys get banged up. I, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think Indiana's in as bad of a spot 
through five weeks this year as they were, for example, last year when obviously they had a lot of, of injury issues. DJ Matthews actually warmed up Saturday, and and it you know from what Tom Allen said, it sounded like he was close to trying to give it a go, and then they had to pull him out late. So you would imagine he's close um, with Cam Camper. You're right; it was a you know that was something that we were able to confirm it was a, a non-COVID illness. You know, when you hear that, I mean, it can be any number of things. You don't want to speculate. People start throwing out flu. They'll start throwing out mono. Um, you don't. You don't want to speculate because that could literally be thousands of things. Um, but I, I would imagine at this point that, you know, probably the best way to describe the camper is just week to week. And maybe Tom Allen will have more of an update as this week goes on. Maybe Thursday we talk to him Thursday mornings, uh, kind of his last availability. Maybe there'll be something firmer on camper by then. But um, Williams is the one that, you know, frankly, I, I might be most concerned about if I were Indiana. He tried to come back and play with it. It was basically an AC joint sprain. Your AC joint is, is in your shoulder. But, I mean, you could – he tried to come back and play with it, and it, the way Tom Allen termed it, he basically couldn't. Um, if you go back and look at the play where he hurt it, it was a, a – he was covering a punt, and he was, you know, kind of coming downfield, and he was – sort of trying to make the tackle. Sometimes that, that first guy downfield is as much just there to kind of stop the punt returner and get him to, to don't let him start running, make him sort of pivot and change direction, let two or three other guys catch up. But Williams kind of overran him and sort of tried to, <clears throat> like, turn his body very quickly to kind of reach back and, and get a hand on the guy. And when he did, you could immediately see him – you know, he, he basically just pulled his shoulder. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say he pulled that out of his socket. I don't know. Again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that that's exactly what it was. But you could see immediately in doing that, contorting his body in that weird way, he'd hurt himself. And um, you know, Jalen Williams, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was Indiana's leader in snaps uh, defensively going into the Nebraska game. Indiana didn't, does not take him off the field very much. He is, he is as important to that defense as any player they have, and if he's going to miss significant time. They've got some good young corners, but you know, besides young, because they, they, they're not guys that have a ton of experience. They're guys that are, you know, we're talking maybe a handful of games in their career at best up to this point. Replacing him would be difficult. I think he's maybe the, the, the biggest injury concern coming out of Nebraska. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, good stuff on IU Nebraska. You know, the biggest thing, I think, coming out of Big Ten football over the weekend wasn't a specific score or game. It was that Wisconsin has fired its coach, Paul Christ. And uh, you know, it caught me as a big surprise. I think it did most people. And just reading some of the reports Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon about his firing, uh, he had a 67-26 and 26 record in seven seasons at uh, seven-plus seasons at Wisconsin. It was his alma mater. Uh, he won 10 games in four of his first five seasons. Under his direction, the Badgers won a Cotton Bowl, an Orange Bowl, and three Big Ten West Division titles. I know the program kind of began to fell off in the 2020 strange COVID year, uh, but uh, is that a shocker to you? And it seems like, I don't want to call it a trend, but it, much more often it happens nowadays, coaches fired, relieved of their duties in the middle of the season. He's the second Big Ten coach to have that happen to him this season. Yeah, I mean, so I guess to each question specifically, I, I was not super surprised. I mean, I guess 
the way I termed it was, I, I retweeted, I think Adam Rittenberg was the first person I saw report it. Um, it was both surprising in the sense that Wisconsin feels like kind of the model of stability in the conference. You know, it's, it's been, it was Barry and then Brett Bielema and then Paul Chris, and it was just handed down within the family. And it was, you know, that job was in the family for what, 30 years? I mean, more. Um, and, and there was kind of a Wisconsin way of doing things. And there was, you know, I think in a weird way, Wisconsin has as, as defined of a floor and as defined of a ceiling as almost anybody in the league now. And I think it's a credit to just how stable it has been, how, how firm the foundations were built kind of under that program by Barry Alvarez. Um, on the other hand, I mean, you read out the stats there. He won 10 or more games in four of his first five seasons. Obviously, they went nine and four last year, and I think they won their their bowl game. Um, but if you've watched Wisconsin, I mean, there has been a, a pretty steady degradation of, of quality, especially offensively. You know, and, and and in particular, kind of once Jonathan Taylor was gone, and I'm not saying all of Paul Chris' success was just down to Jonathan Taylor, but part of what made Wisconsin so good and so stable was that Wisconsin was consistent. You know, it, it was, before Jonathan Taylor, it was Melvin Gordon. And before Melvin Gordon, I mean, I'd have to go back and look through all the, you know, Monte Ball and Ron Dane. And, and, and you know, you, you had quarterbacks that all fit a, a certain archetype. And then there would be the occasional guy like Russell Wilson, who was who was obviously a transfer, but was, was even better um, than the average. Wisconsin felt like it was losing that and was losing it, you know, frankly, pretty rapidly, to be honest. Um, and so it was kind of one of the things where it's surprising because you felt like Wisconsin was, you know, is the kind of place that wouldn't make some sort of knee-jerk decision, and I don't think this necessarily was a knee-jerk decision, and I think there's a conversation to be had about maybe what Wisconsin would like the outcome here to be, given who it elevated as its interim coach, um, and the extent to which it feels like everyone is now kind of standing Wisconsin years ago, and it's been on their staff as a defensive coordinator for a number of years now. Um, but it, it, it just sort of it felt like in a more general way, Wisconsin was drifting away from what makes Wisconsin so stable and so steady and so consistent. And I'm, that's why I guess it, it wasn't surprising to me. It did feel like maybe it was not working out for Chris. But you know, to your point about you know mid-season firings, um, you know, it, 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 a lot of people have theories on why this trend is happening. Some people believe that it keeps guys from transferring, although obviously that, that's kind of been dealt with a little bit now by the transfer windows. Um, you know, some people believe it, 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 it keeps teams from recruiting negatively against a coach because if that coach gets fired, then, you know, at very least you can look at recruits and say, hey, just hang tight with us and, and, and we promise. You know, we'll go get the right guy that you can stick with and blah, blah, blah. Again, in this case, I think there's a strong suspicion that part of this is being done to try and set Leonard up for that job. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the inner workings at Wisconsin to know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. He's obviously had a lot of success as Wisconsin's defensive coordinator. Again, if you want to talk about kind of carrying on a lot of the Wisconsin legacy, the numbers that his defenses have put up in the last few years have been remarkably good. Um, but one way or another, it, it does seem like that's probably a factor here, or at least possibly a factor here. 
that there's almost a sense of trying to give Leonard, Jim Leonard enough runway to kind of take off and get the job full-time by the end of the season. But in this, you know, in this particular case, I think it's just it's surprising because Wisconsin has seemed so stable and so consistent. It's not surprising when you just kind of dig into and look at the direction that that team was moving in the last couple, three years. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. Got to squeeze in some basketball with you here today, Zach. And practices are underway in Bloomington. I understand there's a certain number of practices the team can hold between the start and their first game of the season coming up. We actually got a little bit of a video uh, late late last week uh, on the Indiana men's basketball social media accounts that showed some highlights from one of their early practices. But any anything leaking out of practice? in Bloomington, any idea of, uh, of what's been going on and maybe how often the team is practicing at this point or how they're using some of these early practices? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, nothing nothing galloping, nothing groundbreaking. Um, I think you continue to hear a lot of the things that, frankly, we've heard. I think particularly kind of late in the summer and then as these guys got back for preseason, because, you know, they can do some on-court activity, and I'd have to refresh myself on how involved coaches can be, but they can do some on-court activity before the official practice um, calendar starts. And, and for those who don't know, the practice calendar starts, I think it's, it's what, six weeks? I think, it's, I think what it is is it's 42 days before your first game. And you, I think, yeah, if I'm, again, I have to refresh myself, but I think it's either 26 or 28 full practices you can have in those 42 days. And it's obviously up to you to figure out how you want to design them and all that. Um, but I, I think it's, it's been, you know, kind of early days here. It's been kind of the same, consistently the same stuff that we heard, um, again, late summer, early fall, which is the freshmen look really, really intriguing. Um, there's a lot of confidence in, you know, kind of the top of the roster, the, the Trace Jackson Davis, Xavier Johnson, Race Thompson, part of the roster. Um, I think we're all still curious, you know, where the three-point shooting is going to come from. But I think that Indiana certainly feels like it is a much deeper team. And and also just, you know, at Team Media Day a couple weeks ago, I, I sat with Xavier Johnson for a long time for a feature. I'm, I'm probably going to, Lord willing, I'm going to finish writing today. Um and, you know, he was talking about kind of his own journey. And obviously, as a point guard, it's a little bit different. But, you know, just you've got you have a, a sense that Mike Woodson threw a lot at these guys in his first year. And, and that, you know, in the without wanting to sort of play up the, you know, the, the oversimplified storyline of NBA coach bringing NBA system to college, he really did, you know, kind of. Um, you know, get guys' heads spinning a little bit at times, probably this time a year ago, in terms of just trying to throw a lot at them and, and see what they could handle, see what they could see what they could manage. Um, it just feels like everybody's more comfortable with that, at least in, in the way they talk about it and the way that they, you know, they kind of assess it when you ask them about it. There's just a much greater comfort level with the, the, the sort of underpinnings of, you know, what Mike Woodson wants to do. And so... <laughs> You know, I, I don't I don't know how PG I can get on this this uh, this call, but but Xavier Johnson said, you know, sometimes sometimes Coach Woodson I, he said uh, I'm not going to say that he he's just pulling stuff out of his butt, but sometimes it feels like it a little bit. Um, but I think that that's reflective of a coach that understands I don't have to I don't have to coach the 
you know, the basic principles anymore. The, the, the stuff that I want to underpin the, the you know, just the, the, the fundamentals of my system are kind of ingrained now, and I can get more detailed. I don't need to worry about the roots of the tree. I can get out in the branches, and I can start getting more specific, and I can start tinkering and experimenting a little bit more. I think you're seeing some of that, and I, I think at least at least in the way guys are talking and the way guys are kind of acting and, and you know, responding when we ask them about that. And that's obviously very encouraging if you're Indiana because one of Mike Woodson's strengths was always, you know, kind of bound to be his time in the pros and, and how, you know, how elaborate his, his system could be and how, how much he could win that X's and O's battle. If you are at a place where he can really drill down and get even more, you know, kind of minute, and he can, he can tinker and experiment more than he could a year ago, you're probably getting an even better version of Mike Woodson in addition to potentially some of these players. And so I think that's, that's one of those things I think you, you're watching early in the season, especially as we know this team's going to play Xavier. It's going to play UNC. It's going to play at Rutgers. It's going to play Arizona and Vegas and, and at Kansas all before Christmas. It'll be curious to see how they come out of that. No question. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, he's with us Mondays as we start our discussion of IU football and basketball. Zach, as always, thanks, and we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will head to a commercial break. Local sports is next. We've missed Chad Gilbert the last few weeks. He'll be with us in the next segment. We'll recap high school football. We're headed towards sectional pairings, the tournament pairing show coming up this Sunday night. And other local sports topics ahead next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this final segment of our Monday program. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Texter says, IU football gets six wins. They will beat Maryland, Rutgers, and Purdue. Mark it down with a big smiley face. I'm not sure if you're joking or serious. We'll see. Uh, but that would be quite the feat, I think, for Coach Allen and this IU football team. Chad Gilbert is with me on Mondays. And just the way the schedule has worked out, we've not had Chad the last few weeks, so it's great to have him on as we start this October month of our shows. And Chad, we're going to talk high school football, the new Albany-Jeff game on Friday, and the tournament pairings coming out on Sunday here in just a moment. But October, weather is changing, things are cooling down a bit, and for guys like you and I that love all sports here in southern Indiana, we have to recognize that basketball season not just Indiana and college, but high school basketball is now just around the corner. First off, Matt, LEO. You know what I'm saying? LEO on the text line. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, you know, basketball is around the corner. First off, I want to tell you I've missed talking to you the last couple of weeks. I know our schedules have been busy. I appreciate you accommodating me, uh, letting me get some stuff done around here because the fall has been busy, Matt. You think about it, everything is winding down. Tennis sectional. Last week, we've got boys and girls soccer sectional this week. Uh, we've got cross-country sectional. 
We had golf the week before that. The fall is a busy, busy time of the year, and volleyball starting up um, next week. So it is just a busy time of the year. It's hard to believe that we've made it to this point, you know, coming through just for how fast everything comes on. You you think about our week one. Talk about this seven weeks ago phone conversation, how everything's coming upon us. It's going to be here before you know it. It's came and gone. And like you said, basketball season's coming on the door. It's, it's knocking on the door. Eventually we'll be saying the same thing about that. When we get back to school, Matt, girls basketball is on deck. I mean, it's getting ready to start up, and then we're into it. Do you think about that time of the year, how – it's a little bit slower down, and it's a little bit more spread out in the winter, which makes it better for our fans, better for our kids, better for our ADs, because your events are more spread out. Where in the fall and the spring, you know, you're loading, loading a lot of matches, a lot of games in in a six, seven week period. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, IHSA executive board member, and with us Mondays here on the show as we talk local sports. Uh, good segue because some of those sports you mentioned are in their tournaments. We've got some local winners, especially on the tennis side that I can think of, and we don't talk about those probably as much as we should. So good to know those sports progressing, and we'll see her locally who has a chance to represent Clark and Floyd counties as uh, tournaments move on to their later stages. High school football on Friday, no matter the records, no matter the interest, the fans, the weather, whatever you can throw out there, New Albany and Jeff is always a big deal, and it was a battle Friday night of two teams that really needed a late-season momentum boost, and teams that really have struggled, to be quite honest with you, this season, and New Albany, in a very good game, found a way to get a 27-20 victory over the Red Devils. So, interesting result there. Chad, you've been very familiar with that Jeff-New Albany rivalry over the years as a girls' and boys' basketball coach some years ago at Jeffersonville High School but a very meaningful rivalry and a good game on Friday night. I don't know what the crowd was, uh, but hopefully the winner was Athletic Director Larry Owens. Hopefully he had a big, big crowd for that Jeff New Albany game. And anytime Jeff New Albany would tangle up on the football field in their basketball court, you can you can most uh, definitely count on a good gate. So I didn't see any pictures or anything, but I hope that they had a good gate up there Friday just for that rivalry for both schools. I know both teams were struggling a little bit coming in, like you said. And looking at the game, it looked like one of those games that somebody had to win. It was one of those deals that I'm not sure one team did more than the other, but at the end, somebody's got to win at the end of the night. But what stood out to me more than anything, did you see the two guys from New Albany, how many times they ran the ball? Unbelievable. One of them, I think one of them ran, was it 35 times in the first half? Yeah. And then Amazing. the other guy comes in and runs in 34 in the second half and the amount of yards they came. I mean, you know, that's that's amazing. It, it, it really is amazing. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's an aspect of coaching. You know, anything you can say, you know, those teams may be struggling a little bit, but that doesn't mean those players still aren't giving it everything they got. Those coaching staffs aren't giving it everything they got every day. You know, you're, you're trying to get better every single day. And, you know, I've seen teams that have been like that, Matt. Luckily, I've never coached a team like that but or, or played on many teams like that. But I have seen things like that, and it, it's not fun. But it's one of those deals as a coach, you're trying to get better every day, get the absolute most out of your kids. And as a player, you know, you're, you're wanting to enjoy your time. Enjoy your time as a, with your camaraderie. Enjoy your time with your 
fellow teammates, enjoy your time with your coaches, and really have fun with it. And I, and I hope that's what those guys did because playing that Jeff New Albany game, I tell you, Matt, is and you've been part of it. It's something very, very special. You know, hopefully those guys uh, had a good game with them, and, and good luck to both teams moving forward because, you know, I know both of those guys that coach those teams are both class guys, and I know a lot of those kids out there, I know they're good kids. So I, I hope those teams uh, continue to improve, continue to get better, and, and most importantly have fun finishing it out. Talking with Chad Gilbert here on our Monday program, Chad, you talk about finishing it out. The tournament pairings come out on Sunday night. That's really hard to believe. We're at that point of the high school football season. But fr- uh, Saturday night, after the games on Friday, we'll find out uh, the pairings for the weeks ahead as we get ready for postseason football here in southern Indiana. You know, and the one thing on that, Matt, is it's you're looking for your best matchups as you can win. But as, as the AD, you're thinking, you know, what matchups – are we going to have that are going to give the the best results, the best bang for our buck? So this is something that, you know, the average people, the average fan may not know. You know, you may have Jeff and Center Grove. Let's say Charlestown. Let's, let's use Charlestown scenario, for instance. You may have Charlestown and Heritage Hills right off the bat. It may be 5,000 strong up here. Well, that gate is divvied up amongst the other teams in the sectional pool where you may have another game. You may have Salem and Corden, who may not have as many. They may have a 1,000 people there. They still get the same cut after all the gates. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is all the money is thrown into a pot and divided up amongst the teams. So it's something that 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 fans didn't realize. It's something that... uh, it goes a long way for helping all the teams because it's kind of a a boost going into the winter tournament to... uh, as far as your financial gate goes, sorry. Oh, absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest here on this Monday edition of the program. Chad, as we get out of here for today, you know, Charlestown and Providence, your Pirates and the Pioneers, they have been the big talk around this high school football season. And I think if you survey the local area and think ahead to how the pairings could come out on Sunday, that both of those schools would be the odds-on favorites locally to maybe win a sectional and best have an opportunity to represent Southern Indiana. So I know a lot of pride in Charlestown this football season. It's been fun to see Providence uh, build up again as well. But those are the two teams as we look to the postseason that I think everyone is, is looking at. Well, we've had a great season up here. I'm proud of our kids, proud of our community. They've really supported our kids, not just in football, but in all our sports. We've got a great group of seniors up here right now. I'm very proud of the way they behave on the field and the courts and in the student section. We've been very lucky on that one. Uh, Quite candidly, we played Providence, and Providence handed it to us. You know, they come out and smacked us in the mouth. Uh, We rallied and made a game out of it, but Providence looks like they're going to be a very formidable opponent, Matt, at the 1A level, correct? Correct. I think they have a chance to make a nice run on there. We wish them good luck, and I think our Pirates have a chance to make a nice run at the 3A level. So we'll just see. you got to have you got to be good, and you got to be lucky, so we'll see how it goes. All right, Chad Gilbert with me Mondays here on the program. Chad, I've missed catching up with you. You bring a lot of insight, always fun to talk to. Uh, basketball season is almost here. I know we'll have a lot of fun conversations ahead. Thanks for a few minutes of your time each Monday. Matt, before we get off here, you always, anytime we've had success of anything that I have gotten along the way, you've always made a point to talk about it on the show. Want to, one, give you a shout-out for an 
excellent fall Hoosier Hills Hoops League at Charlestown. You did a great job and continue to run one of the best leagues for kids to play in in the fall here at Charlestown, so I appreciate that. And number two, congratulations on your pickleball championship. You look great. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I'm proud of you, buddy. Keep up the great work. Uh, I love pickleball. We uh, Shout out Josh Biven, my partner. We we finished bronze. We didn't get the medal, the, the gold one, but we had fun. And uh, pickleball, fun sport. You should try it out if you haven't already. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday show. Back with you Tuesday and every day this week at 11 a.m., this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>